What? I, I want to read you something. I'm working, Marcella. I think you should hear this. All right. Dear Points High alumni, can you believe it's been 10 years since you left Gross Point? Where are you now? Are you in an outward bound canoe trip like Brooke Stenson? Or perhaps in charge of public appearances for the NFL like Leslie Gunther? Sandy Glasser owns a cheese shop. Looking at yearbooks and pictures evokes so many memories. Some good, some bad, but all interesting. Whenever news of you filters back, the school is excited and proud of your accomplishments. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. This is Cheap Seat Reviews. I just want the protein. Yes, I've watched both seasons of Bridgerton in my life, and I find that show charming. How oblivious can you be with guns going off? Hello, and thank you for listening to Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. The greater good. Nice. Thank you. I don't I don't know what voice that was. It just fell out of my mouth. That's it fine. Like it's vo- perfect. Vocal there's, diarrhea. There's there's <laughs> no there's no uh, affectation. Sam Sam usually handles that and it caught me off guard to be quite honest. Yeah. And some sort of cross between Winnie the Pooh and and some drunk in an alley came out. I don't know what happened. That's Sorry. fine. That's actually pretty appropriate since Sam actually is right now drunk in an alley somewhere in Salt Lake City. So that's pretty good. Uh he's legitimately been drunk texting us for the last 20 minutes. It's been fantastic. Uh, this is episode 396, 396, and tonight we're talking about Gross Point Blank, a film I had never seen before until just the other day when I finally watched it, Gross Point Blank. I'm so excited to talk to you about this tonight. I am Sean Allred, and joining me tonight is Andrew. Why does it feel like Dan Aykroyd is just being himself, Jemison? Every every role Dan Aykroyd is in, I feel like it's just him being himself, uh, and I love it. Yeah. I'm not upset about it at all. It just it just <laughs> this it feels like as you know because as Dan Aykroyd's gotten older and a little bit you know weirder in his uh, conspiracy theories, like like this feels like if Dan Aykroyd wasn't an actor, this is what he would be doing. I feel like in this role he was a little bit of Tommy Boy, you know <laughs> his role in Tommy Boy, but also a little bit of. Ghostbuster. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a good mix of actors. And a, a skosh of uh, Mother from Sneakers. Just a <laughs> yes. I love that movie. And any chance I get to bring it up, I'm going to. And uh, making his Cheap Seat Reviews debut is Trip. It's a good thing your high school had an incinerator. Rogers. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Yeah, my high school did have an incinerator. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. I know my high school very, very well. Nice. And I am happy to be here, and I am happy to be participating, and I echo the sentiments on Dan Aykroyd. Uh, he is, he's gold. In any movie he's in, he's gold. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's great. Uh, even in that dumb cameo that he has in uh, Casper, where he shows up with a mustache, it's pretty funny. Uh, Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> There you go. Living legend, the man, the myth, the Dan Aykroyd. So this is uh, Gross Point Blank, Trip. Um, 
I threw out a few options for you. So this was super last minute. So um, this is what literally happened. Last week, we recorded the episode. We thought we were going to have a different guest. We finished recording. I get a message. Hey, I can't do the thing because of this. Oh, crap. So Thursday, I'm like, well, I need somebody. I don't know. I'll call my friend Trip, who was my teammate on America's Next Top Podcaster, which I was thrilled to be on your team. And you did such a fantastic job uh, reading the words that I wrote on episode two. That was a lot of fun. Um, oh, listen, we had a great time doing that. And, and it was a pleasure to work with you. And I was sorry that the team ended after only three shows. I, I, was, I really enjoyed it. And, and, and that's all we've been doing is lamenting that since it happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, not, you're not wrong. Um, but it's been great, and it was also a lot of fun because I've, I've had Jason on since uh, uh, I had, we had Jason on a few weeks ago, well, more than a few weeks ago. I guess it's been about five weeks ago, but uh, that was uh, that was cool too to have Jason on. So we've now had basically the team on on this podcast at this point. There was a fourth. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, but um, I threw a few options at you, and you said, "Oh, gross. he was burned up in the incinerator." Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, that's a good. Yes, that's actually pretty accurate. Um, so I threw a few options at you. You jumped on gross point blank and I am so glad that you did because I have never seen this movie. Uh, this is just one of those. I don't know why I didn't see it. Everything in this movie is up my alley. Like everything screams, Sean, you should have watched me. And I don't know why I didn't, but by God, I'm glad we did. Um, so yeah, gross point blank. Do we want to do what, what this movie is? We want to do a quick uh, IMDb read, or we want to just dive into it? Sure. Go for it, Andrew. Real quick. Martin Blank is a professional assassin. He is sent on a mission to small a small Detroit sur- suburb, excuse me, <laughs> Gross Point. And by coincidence, his 10-year high school reunion party is taking place at the same time. Oh, what a coincidence. That's right. What a coincidence, yeah. Yeah, so that's th- not uh, that's not a terrible description. Usually these are pretty bad, but no, yeah, that no, one kind of gets the gist. Yeah, uh, you know, and I'm also I've uh, been thinking about uh, we no longer do those ever again, and we actually have one of us create our own. You know, like that uh, sounds good too. I think that would be more fun, um, though it's yeah. more work on somebody. I was gonna say let's give Sam something to do. He doesn't do anything. He makes the art. He makes the art for the thing. Yeah, like I said, Sam doesn't do anything. No, I'm kidding. No, those those are actually really great. If you're a listener that hasn't uh, seen the, some of these cover art things that Sam does, they're great. Take yeah. a look at uh, Spotify shows them all, and uh, I think does Apple Apple Music th- or Apple Podcast show it too? I think they do. I can't remember. I know our website yeah. does. Um, yeah, check those out. They're yeah, great. they're they're really good. He's uh, in fact, Sam has enjoyed it so much. He's actually backfilling our old episodes. He's gone back to episode one. And is like gone, you know what I'm saying? Like, so he's been doing this for about 50 episodes. So we've got about 340 to go. Um, obviously, he has time to kill. Yeah. Uh, uh, so this movie. Uh, when he's not drinking. Well, when he's not drinking, yes. I mean, <laughs> anyway, Gross Point Blank, starring John Cusack, Mini Driver, Dan Aykroyd, uh, directed by George Armitage. And. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, this, I mean, gosh, guys, this movie was just so flippin' awesome. I really loved it. So uh, was I the only one that had not seen this before? 
I had never seen this before either. This is the first time for me. Nice. And and much like I, you, I, I, I hadn't seen it in a while. Yeah. Okay. But, and much like you, Sean, I, I just I don't know how I missed this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so Trip, you said it's been a while since you've seen it. I, I saw it, and 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 when you mentioned the movies, I mean, this one jumped out at me because. Uh, again, I remembered Cusack is so good, and I, I, I think that, and you're going to see I'm going to rave about him the entire show. But secondly, there's a DJ in this. And so that's the other reason why I love this, yeah. because by trade, I'm a radio broadcaster. And so any movie that has radio in it, I mean, I, I can sit there and pick it apart, or I can say you know positive negatives about it. So that's the other reason why I like this movie. Yeah, when we yeah. When, when the you know we, when we went into that uh, the the radio studio, of course the first thing I said was, "Hey, I have that microphone," um, that they kept slapping around back and forth, and and uh, <laughs> I I also love how like he's he aims it away and whispers, it's like, "Hey, it's still being broadcast on the radio," but that's fine. It was a good time, uh, but boy that that board that board in '97 was a little old too, but you know that's probably typical small town radio station i would think yeah we actually in the town that i just moved to in brevard north carolina there's a, a the white squirrel radio station 102.1 the white squirrel and uh you can walk by on main street walk by their uh their storefront or their, their, their you know their location and they're right there in front of the glass and the djs are sitting right there talking into the microphones and Watching the people as they walk by, uh, it's a it's a cool little uh, cool little uh, aesthetic nice. of the radio. That yeah. that is cool. This reminded I, me of that. I, All right, I was gonna I was gonna just offer uh, the following opinion, but uh, they're called showcase studios in in terms of in jargon of radio, and there have been a couple of radio stations I've worked at. And it's kind of a dying thing because now you have so many radio stations that are voice tracked all the time and are, um, you know, they're, they're done by other people outside of the area. Uh, but a showcase studio is so cool because you can see somebody working and it's fascinating for people to watch this. But again, it's something that is in small towns now and not so much in bigger towns. And I worked at a couple of radio stations like that. And I got to tell you, I mean, it's it's a thrill, but the only thing is nowadays is I'd be a little concerned for security. You know, I worked at night and late nights, and I'd be a little concerned if somebody decided, oh, let's take a pot shot at the radio station. But again, it's a cool thing. Cool thing. Yeah, I yeah we we have one of those in town uh, that's near. It's for the sports talk radio. So like they have big glass window out front so that they can kind of see, they can physically see the stadium from where they are when they're broadcasting for games. And there have been multiple times, like on a Wednesday, they're, you know, Wednesday before a game, they're like, oh, we're here at the corner of Mitten Moorhead. Sw- swing by and, oh, there's a car accident. Yep, that guy just got hit. Uh, hey, hey, but Larry, go ahead and call the police. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's happened. It's crazy. Uh, Listen, again, there's nothing like it because, you know, most radio stations, you're in a fishbowl as it is. There are windows into the studio. And and so you do work, you know, with eyes on you. But when you're in a storefront or something like that, it is it is really a cool experience. And again, uh, that's one of the things I like about this movie, because I think it's very accurate. 
I think it reflects the time. And, and I'll get into that a little bit later on because, again, that was one of the things I liked about the movie. I think it reflected radio at that time. And I'll explain why as we get on. But it, I think the, the studio itself, very, very um, uh, time-wise, I think it, it, it's right there. And, and they, they, they put a lot of intricacy into it, and they put a lot of detail into it. And I thought they did a good job. Awesome. It's not very often that, uh, you know, they get that kind of stuff right, you know. So that's uh, it's nice when a movie gets some of that kind of stuff right. Uh, so let's go ahead and do our five-word reviews. Andrew, I will let you lead off since Sam is not here. Sure. Well, I have one that's four, and then I have one that's many more than five, but you know my rules on that. I don't care. <laughs> um, so my four-word review is Hitmen, Hitmen Have Lives Too. Well, so, uh, yeah, a little insight there. And then uh, the other one missed opportunity for a better story and more action. Now, having said that, I like the movie. I really do. I think it's well done. I enjoyed it. I had a good time with it. I think it's a good story. I probably, you know, would have went a different direction with it if I were making the movie, but maybe it would have made it more boring. I don't know. Um, I... I kept thinking as the movie was happening that the hit, the guy that was in the, the folder, was not going to be her dad, spoiler. It was going to be her or going to be, uh, you know, a former classmate like his best friend that he, that he reconnects with. And I think that could have made for a little bit more uh, intense action or uh, some, some more tension in the movie. I don't know. Um, but... That being said, I still had fun with it. I still thought it was was done well. I think, uh, uh, like Tripp said, uh, John Cusack is at his best here, I think, and, and a lot of the, the stuff he's done. I'm not a huge John Cusack fan. I'm more of a Joan Cusack fan, if I had to choose one, I guess. Um, and uh, I, But I think that this was really well done. And uh, he, he plays the hitman well. And the thing I liked about this is it wasn't, you know, we see hitmen movies and you kind of, you get the feeling that there's some, there's, they're remorseful and they, 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 the entire time they want to quit their job. And, and uh, I love this. He's just, it's just a job for him. He, he clocks in, he goes in, he does his work and then he leaves. And, you know, he, Leaves it on the desk, <laughs> so to speak. And I like that. I, I do like that. He has an office that he goes to. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like all of the, the, like the annoying office things. Like she pages him on the phone when there's the only two people in the building. You know what I'm saying? Like all of those funny little <laughs> gags really work for me. Um, yeah. When, when she says, <laughs> when she pages him and says, can, can I come in? And he goes, give me a minute. And all he does is he turns the lamp on or tries, and then he gets a piece of paper and sits down, and then then she comes in the room. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's stupid stuff, but it's funny. Yeah, it really works. It works. Uh, Trip. Okay. Um, I've got a couple. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with, with, I have two of them. Uh, one is relatable movie with hitmen. Because, again, everybody has a 10th high school reunion unless you don't graduate high school. The other one I was going to say is high school 10 years later. Nice. Because 
a, a lot of this movie takes place at the high school and a couple of the key scenes take place at the high school. So that's why I, I said high school 10 years later, because again, if you have gone to a 10 year reunion, you went everything that happened in this movie, you can relate to. There's always the one guy who's, you know, a mystery and he all of a sudden shows up and you have no idea who he is. And then there's the, the mother who's been in town forever and sits there and blah, 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 blah. Oh, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And then you have, you know, you have the people who stayed in town. You have the people who've moved on. And then you have the obnoxious real estate guy. Every high school class has an obnoxious real estate guy. I mean, you got to admit that there's always an obnoxious real estate guy. And, and I, I, I and and I think that that was you know again the casting in this movie was so good, and the other part of it is, and if I'm not mistaken, and somebody can correct me if they want to, I think this was the first collaboration between Kuzak and Steve Pink, and they've done a couple of movies together, and one of them that pops out in my mind, Hot Tub Time Machine, they did that together, and and I I again. I think that this was, and, and it's funny because in doing the research for this, you know, this constantly comes up. People feel this is one of his better movies, gross point blank. And, and again, I think he's a very relatable character in this. And that's why, like I said, I think this movie hits on a lot of levels. And again, the high school reunion angle is one that everybody can relate to very well. They, they, for what it is worth, so that I, don't, I don't get messages on, on Twitter, because I will, they also work together on High Fidelity. Uh, right. I, I, but but this, was, this was before that, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Wasn't this first? Yeah, this was first, then High Fidelity, yeah, I, and I, then the two yeah. Hot Tub Time Machine movies. So, Well, Kuzak didn't really appear in the second one, and I kind of like to forget that one, because he made the smart move not to do it. <laughs> but... Um, Kuzak, the first one, and, and, and that hot tub time machine, you know, again, a movie that I was anticipating. I saw it when it first came out. I thought it was hysterical. And the only thing I will say about the second one is that they followed the script well. And if you watch it, you can catch those little idiosyncrasies from both movies. So I give a little credit for that. But the second one was, no, Kuzak wasn't in it. So it's. Not so, much, you right, know. Kind of like the Ghostbusters, kind of like the Ghostbusters movie that all the females were in, and they did all the cameos, and that stunk too. Yeah, under yeah, yeah. <laughs> and under his, his his IMDb credits, Hot Tub Time Machine Two, Adam uncredited or unrated version uncredited. <laughs> so he's he's probably there, just like in the background, you know, just you know, farting around or whatever. Uh, that's too funny. All right, my five word review is. Perfect action rom-com popcorn. Yeah. I needed a fifth word, and I just decided to scream <laughs> popcorn. Uh, so Popcorn always works. There, so there's there are a handful of these kind of action rom- rom-com kind of movies that I've seen in the last 10 years or so. Uh, one that comes to mind is the one with Chris Pine and... Oh, Mad Max Fury Road. What's, uh, what's his name? Um... Uh, Thomas Hardy, and you're talking about this means this war. This means war, yeah. They're, they're, so the two oh, spies yeah, yeah. are fighting over Reese Witherspoon, and yep. uh, it, it's a cute movie, and it's fun, and it's, it's got some action, whatever, and and 
and it's fine. It's a fine movie. So this kind of reminded me of that kind of the, that thing, right? Like this movie, it, it's more about the relationships and the comedy than the hitman aspect, right? Like, mm-hmm. like you said, Andrew, it's his job. It's not his passion. It's just the right. thing that he does. He's just good at it, and. Um, but the, but like, you know, the, the, like the Dan Aykroyd, you know, cartoon, you know what I'm saying? Like if you were going to have, if you were going to play it straight, you don't have Dan Aykroyd in that role, right? You play, you get who in 97 would you get, uh, Michael Ironside or something, you know, to play this other kind of rival. Uh, and you don't get, you know, Hank Azaria to play an FBI or whatever the hell they were, CIA, NSA, whatever the hell they were. You don't get Hank Azaria. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, you don't get these comedians. You get, you get these. So I, I just had such a blast with this movie. I was laughing my ass off. Um, and, and we've already said it. John Cusack is just firing all cylinders. And like, I know it's something about his, quick fire repetition kind of delivery of lines, right? Like, especially when you put him and Alan Arkin in a scene together where Alan Arkin is very Mm -hmm. kind of deliberate and slow. And well, frankly, you scare me because you said something, you know, like he's very slow. And then John Cusack just blurts out, well, it's because I know where you live or something like that. Like the back and forth between the, the two actors is so great. Um, and then of course it culminates to him, Firing him over an Andrew machine, and Alan Arkin loses his shit and just throws it out the window. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. Well, no, no. Remember, he had somebody in his office at the time, and he was trying to make sure they didn't hear it. And it's like you can relate to this on so many levels because everybody has that answering machine. You can't, you know, you have that moment. You want to shut something off. You don't want it to hear it, and you're grabbing it by the stakes and throws it. I mean, listen again. Another one of the supporting cast in this movie that just really had a couple of scenes and you just sat there and went, wow, you know, it was really that good. You know, I mean, the kid who played the convenience store clerk, (laughs) how oblivious can you be with guns going off? I mean, the guy, you know, again, he's got Walkman headphones on. He doesn't have, you know, industrial strength things. So he couldn't hear the gunfire. And I'm like going, Oh boy. And then the fact he gets pulled out of there and goes, well, I guess I got to look for another job yeah. again, another comedic home run. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that it's brilliant that they, <laughs> and the way that he played it off that when he returns to his home, <laughs> it's now a, a Ultimart or a quickie mart or whatever it was called. Yeah. And <laughs> he's just, he can't believe that, you know, he, he, you know, it's like if you return home, and uh, no one has told you you haven't been there, you have no idea, and your house is just gone and it replaced with a gas station. Uh, and there's something about the way that he played this character. It's almost like he wasn't acting. He was just, he was just the guy. And it, it just felt very natural in his responses to things. Uh, it just I can't say enough about how well acted this was. And, well, and, it's, and it's very... But isn't that... A- what I was going to say is, isn't that a, isn't that John Cusack in a nutshell? Because you could say that about say anything. You could say that about high fidelity. You could say that hot tub time machine. You could say that that's him. And the only one I wouldn't say that is love and mercy when he played Brian Wilson, because he was playing Brian Wilson, but yet he still had this 
everyman quality about it. I mean, uh, again, and that's another one of his movies that, you know, I think he did so well in that. It was such a tough job to do playing Brian Wilson when he's off his rocker. You know, I, I thought he did a great job. Again, I think if, if they ever make a movie of my life, I want John Cusack to play me. Although I'm getting kind of old, so I don't know if he could do that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so uh, a few things I do want to, some of my notes. So this is a movie. So Trip, I have kind of a rule when I'm taking notes for a movie that I'm reviewing for the podcast. If I like the movie, I don't usually take a lot of notes because I'm just enjoying the moment. I'm I'm laughing or I'm I'm like I'm, I'm engaged in the movie, so I don't want to keep looking down at my computer to take notes. Uh, and this is fun, this is kind of the same thing because the majority of my notes are uh, time codes for the clips that I'm going to play later. Um, so like I had little funny notes like, "Is it weird having your sister call you sir?" You know, I just that that. <laughs> <laughs> That, that that just honestly and it's so weird it when she kept calling him sir it reminded me of peppermint patty from peanuts when she keeps calling no 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 not peppermint patty well peppermint patty but it's marcy who calls her sir yeah, that's right yeah yeah which still weirds me out I'm, i never quite get that oh also trip <laughs> you mentioned this I, I i have to admit uh, i did not go to my 10-year reunion because we didn't have one um okay like it was supposed to be a thing because um, usually you do it at the school, but the school was being renovated, mm-hmm. and we did, so we didn't have a gym. And, and I think it's like tradition dictates that your class president is the one that's supposed to do this, and mm-hmm. we couldn't get enough uh, because you know interest. people are well not just interest but um, we couldn't find people, so there was a uh. Facebook group created. And of my graduating class of 240, we can get a hold of about 17 people. You know, like we're, we're like trying to find people on Facebook and, and we just yeah. couldn't find enough people. So we said, okay, well, we'll see you at 20. Well, 20 was 2020, yeah. COVID. So we're like, we're not going to do it. So we're, we're aiming for either 25 or 30. I can relate to that to a certain extent, and I'll explain why. I graduated high school in 1977, so our 10-year reason was was 1978, or 1987, I'm sorry. And what normally happens is the 10-year reunion is probably the best attended, uh, and, and that was the case. My sister was a couple years behind me. She said the same thing, and they have it at the same spot. It's this banquet hall in near where we grew up, and, I mean, everybody was there. There were a ton of people there. And then the 20th reunion was in 97. I didn't go, and I got calls from about five people saying, why didn't you go? We expected you to be there. And then the class, pre- and, and, and there, was, there wasn't that many people there. I want to say a class of 315. For the 10-year the reunion, I think we had around 200 people. And then for the 20-year reunion, we had 40. And... The class president then passed away, so we went 13 years. We all got together in 2010, and we had a huge turnout. I mean, granted, you're not going to get that many people, but we've had three reunions since then, 10, uh, 13, and 17, which was our uh, uh, 40th reunion. And, you know, again, the attendance was not 
where it was. So I can relate to that to a certain extent, Sean. Uh, but again, uh, the 10 reunion is, it seems to be the one everybody shows up to or the most people show up to because that's it. At that time, usually you can get, uh, if you're not living there, your folks are in town or a good chunk of people are still around the area. I mean, I may be wrong on that, but, but that's kind of what happened with me. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. Did you have one, Andrew? We, yeah, this year actually marks my 20th and, uh, I didn't go to my 10 year and I, didn't really have any plans to go to this one. I don't know that they're actually doing anything for this one. I haven't seen any any news about it. But, uh, you know, I've just kind of fallen a, away from everyone I went to high school with. It wasn't that I didn't get along with people or didn't have friends, but uh, I think when I left home uh, and moved away, I just kind of lost touch with a lot of people. And so uh, we just, I don't think I've talked to anyone that I've gone to high school with. Um, and gosh, probably since college. I mean, it's, well, I take that back. It's been about 18 years, I would say. Mm, interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I guess that's the point of the reunion, right? Is to kind of reconnect and see what each other's doing and judge yeah. each other quietly. And I would, I would definitely say though, that I'm now a professional killer. Oh, sure. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, listen, that was, I, I, I got to say, that was one of the funnier parts of this whole movie. And I think I got such a kick out of it because he was honest. Yeah, I, I, I went to the Army, and then I, I joined the CIA, and then I became a contract killer. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, sure, great. Oh, it's good to hear, you know. And they just, you know, they don't think it's real. And, and then, of course, the look of horror, number one, on Minnie Driver's face, and then number two on his, on his best friend's face when he actually kills somebody, you know, is like, Oh my God, you weren't lying. You are a killer. <laughs> yeah, I love the the line that uh, Debbie says, you're a psychopath. And he said, no, no, psychopaths kill for no reason. I, I kill for money. It's a job. And then he says, well, that didn't come out right. Um, but it, it goes back to the <laughs> goes back to the idea that this is just his form of employment. This is just how he makes his living. So we're, we've already mentioned, so one gag that I love, we just mentioned the gag about he's always telling the truth and no one believes him, right? One of the other gags that uh, was brought to my attention before I watched the movie that I was waiting for was when, you know, he, he mentions multiple times, John uh, Cusack mentions multiple times, look, if, I, if you see me, that means you've done something bad. It's, not, it's nothing personal, you know, like he keeps reminding people, I'm not, it's nothing personal, it's just a job. And like that keeps getting brought up, which was really funny. Um, and what was the other gag that they did that really cracked me up? I I don't know. Just like this movie felt like it was constant setup, payoff, setup, payoff. I don't have a business card. Here's a pen. Five minutes later, I'm gonna stab a man with a pen. Right? Like, and we even get a little bit of that setup earlier when he goes, "Hi, you know, I'm the I'm the guy. I stabbed a guy with a fork." Right? Like. We kind of get that payoff too. It was a pen, not a fork, but I right. just, this movie was nothing but that. It just cracked me up. And back to your point, I know I'm skipping all over him, but Andrew, to your point about like him losing his house, I just love the fact that he doesn't know where else to go, so he goes back to the convenience store. Right. Yeah. He just keeps going back there, like that's his house now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like almost <laughs> muscle memory. So that cracked yeah. me up. 
The other thing that was a sight gag, which I don't know if it was intentional or not, but John Cusack is six foot two. So in Hollywood terms, he's a monster, right? He's massive. Like that's just yeah. Hollywood. That's why is, he doesn't play movies with uh, Tom Cruise, Cruise. right? Because he could just step yeah. on him. So when he's sitting in the car with Jeremy Piven, like his legs are so awkward because that's such a <laughs> small person car. He looks so uncomfortable. And I think it's supposed to be like, I think they did that on purpose. But the other thing also, you talk about the small gags and notice he's, he's the one driving the big Lincoln Continental and he's, and everybody else is driving all these small foreign cars. He goes, what happened to buy, buy American? What happened to buy Detroit? And he says this to everybody and, and they're in Michigan. They're in Gross Point, which is a suburb of Detroit. And, and he's the only one driving one of these American cars. And I thought that was a, that was a, a very funny line. And again, I think one of the things about this movie is it's so rapid fire. You may miss some things as you go along. And because of his delivery is so matter of fact, and everybody else's delivery. I mean, listen, tell me the scene in the, the luncheonette, uh, well, not luncheonette, but you know, the breakfast place, Tell me that's just not hysterical. And you got to watch that two or three times to catch all the subtleties because they're pulling guns on each other. And I mean, oh my God, it's a scene with, by the way, Aykroyd and, and Cusack. And, and it's just, it's hysterical. And, and these two are so funny doing it. And again, and there's also, you know, the other scene that I think is, is, is hysterical is in the, in the restroom at the bar, with the two hitmen that are, you know, Hank Azaria is one of them, the two hitmen. He's sitting there yakking with them and stuff because he knows who they are, and he lets them know that, that he knows who you you guys are and stuff. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, that breakfast scene, the, <laughs> I laughed out loud when when the waitress says, do, do you want anything on your omelet? And he says, no. And she goes, well, that's technically not an omelet. And he goes, well, I don't want to get in a semantic argument. I just want the protein. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a kind of a throwaway dumb joke, but it's, it's funny. Well, it was and, funny and, enough and that it's I delivered it in delivery. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the clips I got. There's, yeah. I mean, this is a movie that's just full of, it's not one liners. It's just yeah. really great dialogue. Mm-hmm, Cause, mm-hmm. It, Cause it's, it's funny. It's, it's, it's clever. It's back and forth. I love, and if you've listened to the podcast for more than four or five episodes, you know that I love Aaron Sorkin. I love his writing style. I can't wait to do Moneyball. Uh, we've already done the social network. Um, if there was a way that I could, maybe a very special episode, we review just like the pilot of West Wing and Sports Night or something. I don't know. Just... I love Aaron Sorkin, and this, this is a weird. This is also a weird um, segue or rabbit hole or whatever you want to call it. But Shonda Rhimes, right? Shon Chandra Rhimes. I can't remember saying her name right. She, mm-hmm. she uh, she's like an Aaron Sorkin like disciple kind of a person, right? She she created uh, Scandal, right? But she was also one of the main writers uh, and creators uh, uh, for. I mean, I know the, there's a series of books, but she was one of the showrunners for Bridgerton. And Bridgerton has that also that quick fire style of dialogue. Yes, I've watched both seasons of Bridgerton with my wife, and I find that show charming. So 
Judge me however you will. No, no. Um, Chandra also, of course, was the person with Grey's Anatomy. Grey's, that's what I, I mean, was. That, that, Grey's Anatomy. And, and, and she was, you know, you're right about that. And you talk about Aaron Sorkin, by the way. One of the most underrated movies he did was American President. And I thought, and that's the one movie I think, actually, I like, um, oh, God, her name, excuse me now, Mrs. Uh, Warren Beatty, uh, Annette mm-hmm. Benning. That's the one movie I like her in. That's the one movie I like her in. Because I tell you, and that movie... Martin Sheen was great. Michael J. Fox was great. Oh, I mean, it was such a, uh, that was a great movie. And again, you're right about Sorkin. Sports Night was just unbelievable. Just unbelievable. So I have to name drop because I have to. So you, you invoked the movie. So the little girl that plays the trombone playing daughter, her name is Shauna Waldron. I, I worked with her on a, on a TV show. Uh, she was a she's a very very lovely person, um, but it's also one of those things because she she played uh, Icebox in the movie The Little Giants, right? So like your memory of her is like this real sweet innocent girl, and then we do this TV show and she gets drunk and uh, that that image is shattered forever in my life. So uh, you know, don't meet your heroes or whatever the phrase is, uh, which is fine. We haven't really mentioned Minnie Driver much yet in this show. She is also really good, and it was yeah. the, so she she's on screen for about four seconds. And my wife says, like my wife watches these sh- movies with me. She says, "Oh, that's not her normal accent. That sounds weird," because she's so used to hearing Minnie Driver from Goodwill Hunting or mm-hmm. Phantom of the Opera or that crazy British accent that she uses in Will and Grace. Like she's used to that. Accent. So when she has just kind of Midwestern American accent, it really threw my wife for a loop. It kind of cracked me up. I will honest. I was going to say, um, this is probably the only movie I like Mini Driver in. I am not a huge Mini Driver fan, but I thought she did really well in this movie. Um, I, again, uh, I'm just not a huge fan of hers, but I thought she really got the role well. And, and again, um, I think she was at her best and, and I don't think of her as a comedy actress per se. I think she's, she's kind of serious in some spots, although you did mention Will and Grace, but I thought she, she was great with her father in the bathroom with the gun. Yeah. I mean, my God, that was laugh out loud. Funny. And the other thing I'll say about Minnie Driver, and I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Folks, I've worked on radio for over 45 years. There are some good-looking on-air personalities, like Minnie Driver. Not many. (laughs) And they all complain about the same thing, female, wearing headphones, because it messes their hair up. I'm telling you, I've heard this from so many women. They hate wearing headphones. And it's just so funny because Mini Driver did it and it was like, and that's one of my big pet peeves about movies and TV is they don't have headphones on because otherwise they think, oh, you can just hear everything. And it's like, that's not how it works, folks. I mean, you know, WKRP in Cincinnati, oh my God, nobody ever wear headphones on that show. But again, she had headphones on and I thought that was really good. And again, I didn't get this, oh, I'm messing my hair up. She never said one thing about her hair. And I thought that was great. And like I said, I thought she was wonderful in this movie. 
This is the only mini driver movie I like. The, yeah, I uh, the first movie my wife and I saw together. Uh, it was a date, the first date that we went on. So this is kind of our movie. Was uh, a movie called uh, um, Return to Me that she did with uh, was it Harry Connick Jr. Sure. No, no, I'm sorry. It was uh, uh, X Files. Um, David Duchovny. David Duchovny. David Duchovny. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, so I liked her in that one. Okay, but uh, this one I think is far better as far as her role goes, as far as her acting goes. All right. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like about her was when she was wearing that jacket with just like half. Like that. That was kind of weird. It annoyed me. Like I guess it was a style, but I don't remember that. Again, I was in '97. I was sixteen, so I wouldn't have been paying attention to fashion at sixteen. Uh, certainly not ladies. You didn't fashion. walk around with your jacket hanging off of your shoulder. No, I didn't. The closest thing I did that was the like the one. Like the book bag one sling, like I didn't put the book bag all the way on. I did the just the one shoulder, but yeah. the the jacket thing, like the whole time she's wearing it, I keep thinking, how is it staying on? Like, yeah. It should fall off. I thought that was an awkward, you know. It's choice. just a, it's a dumb thing, but you know whatever. Yeah. Of, of all the things in this movie, if like if that's what I'm complaining about, then that means it's a really good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you gonna say, Trip? Well, I, the the thing about it is, is that I, I again, I think it's more of, I, and I'm I'm trying to remember about that time. I think it was a fashion statement. And again, you're taught, you know, I I want to relate this to this. They would be in their mid twenties in '97, and I think the ja- women wearing the jackets was still in at that time. But you know, she was like, "Do I want to bring the jacket? Do I don't? I, I don't want to leave it somewhere because I got the feeling that people weren't sitting at tables. There weren't a lot of tables there because they seemed to move around a lot. And and again, she didn't want to lose the jacket. And I think she just kind of has it with her type of thing, as, as as opposed to a sweater that you would tie around your neck or tie around your waist. Yeah, sure. yeah. I will say that the speaking of their ages and in this movie, you know, that it's a ten year reunion. I, I mean. Again, if we're complaining about something like this, it's it's not a big deal. But um, I just felt like watching it, they looked a little bit older than 10 years out of high school. Maybe that was just me. But uh, I, I the whole time was thinking, they're mid, mid-30s, you know, as they're filming this, not not late 20s. But Yeah, but every, everyone always, they do that for everything. You know, I mean, like, yeah, but the, I just didn't find it believable. Oh, but again, if I'm complaining about this, it's not a. Yeah, it's still a good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. You're fine. I oh my gosh, Jenna Elfman was in this. I didn't know that. Yeah, this was her her first role or her first on screen role. I think is what I read. Oh, that's cool. Well, she's in a she's in a bunch of stuff. She's everywhere now. But that's cool. Well, good for her. I'm just scrolling through the IMDb page here for the movie and just. Seeing if I recognize anybody. Apparently, the Cusacks, they rolled together. So you got Bill Cusack as the waiter. Uh, obviously, his sister's in it. And then there was a, I saw another Cusack in there. Uh, it was. I, I think that, I, I, yeah, because she was the one. Wasn't she the one that was drunk? I thought that because it looked like them. That's why I was saying yeah. that in the bar. And uh, yeah, I think that was. I think that was a Cusack, I think uh, Ann Cusack, she looks like the lady that was giving, the, the greeter lady at the thing. 
Was that was that maybe mm-hmm. her? I don't know. Yes, yes, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, maybe I can't. I don't know. But it's I think she was to... also she was also was she... yeah. Well, oh, she was. Hey, in... listen, she was in a league of their own. I love that movie. I just wanted to say that. And Cusack oh, uh, is in. She's in this show called The Boys. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen it. It's kind of a superhero thing. She plays one of the characters' mothers, um, and she's still getting some work. And, and she also. Did uh, she did some sitcoms? I guess back in the nineties. Well, where I remember her from. And she is our Star Trek connection. I was just kind of scrolling through to hoping to find one. She was on an episode of Star Trek Enterprise, so she is our she's our uh, Star Trek connection for this episode. So okay. good on good on her. We got a we got a we got a Cusack there in the family. Very cool. All right, last few notes, and then we'll play some clips. How's that sound? Uh, Jeremy Great. Jeremy Piven is crazy, but I think he's crazy in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, I love that Bob. Bob was so like Bob was like the jock guy in charge, right? Um, as soon as I saw him, like, hey, he's Bull from uh, Band of Brothers. But as soon as like like Bob was ready to punch somebody, and John, who could just dismantle him with his hands if he wanted to completely disarms the whole situation with just some kind words and just like it was really sweet and it was also a sweet moment that uh mini driver got to witness it so she can go oh he's he's actually a really sweet guy because you know he he was ready to fight and cusack's like you don't want to fight me like what's going on it was really it was just like it was like the anti-trope right because i think a, a lesser movie would have cusack just beat the shit out of this guy, right? Well, or just kill him because yeah, and you all, wouldn't he just kills care. people for a living. And right. you wouldn't care because he's a, he's been a douche the whole time we've seen him on screen. Right. So you like you we'd be like, yeah, he deserved that. That's fine. But I just love that he he basically like fixes him. He goes, "You wrote some poetry?" He's like, "Yeah, can I?" He's like, "Okay, you keep working on that, man. You you I just I, I actually really enjoyed that. I thought that was great." Um Joan cracked me it's- up in this movie. Uh, I could have yes. used about 25% more of her. She cracked me up. Uh, I love how he, he calls out her her outfit. She's wearing this thing that looks like a military uniform or a band uniform, and he goes, all right, Sergeant Pepper. Sergeant Pepper. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that, that's a... I love like fun pop culture references in your movie as long mm-hmm. as it's a pop culture re- pop culture reference that can last a long time. Yeah, because you know, yeah. like you saying, like if you do it in the moment, then sometimes it dates the movie too much. But mm-hmm. when you call back something twenty five years, then I think it. I think then it works, right? I think the joke works. So, I think if any of the twenty uh, year olds out there. Watch this. They might not. They might not get the Sar- sure. Sergeant Pepper uh, reference, but uh, yeah, I think to... it works for us, though. The, the funny part of it is, if you think about this, this movie was done in 1997. So, twenty-year-olds would be, you know, would be younger than this movie. You know, they, they 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 were born after this movie. So, I don't know if they would if they would get that aspect of things. Um, and just to mirror your comments. Joan, she was so good in this movie. And, you know, she's, it's funny because I was thinking this about Aykroyd and I was thinking this about uh, uh, Joan. They have 
some really good supporting roles in movies and they just grab them and, you know, say anything. Uh, Joan was in that movie and she was great in that. Uh, Nine months. Oh my God. She was hysterical in that movie. You know, this is my moment, my moment. <laughs> she was just so great in that. And um, she, she has had, she's had any one of a number of roles and she's been so good. And, and I just, and I agree with this, sir, you know, that was a funny bit in the whole thing. And again, I think part of it was, you know, people know that they're brother and sister. So I think they were trying to play up that angle because you wouldn't call your brother, sir. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, last few notes here. Uh, those two federal agents were terrible. Uh, I said those two feds were kind of pointless and bad at their jobs. Uh, I mean, they were they were comic relief. That's what they were there for, is to just show that John Cusack is smart and smarter than them. But, like, they kind of were terrible people. It was just really funny that they were like, we're just, we just, we really want to kill this guy. But we have to follow the rules so that we can kill him the right way. So they, they were just, they cracked me up, right? They were, they were supposed to be... Um, I don't know. They were just, they were funny and they were supposed to be. But when they just kick open the door at the end and then Ackroyd, <laughs> they both just turn their guns on these guys and just blow them away. And they're just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> it just cracked me up. Oh my God. But that was the comic payoff on that because these guys were so incompetent. Well, not incompetent, but, you know, I, I mean, Cusack spotted them right away and knew they were there for a reason. And, 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 and these guys were not, again, I think if you want to go, you know, John Cusack was, let's say up on one level. And I think Ackroyd was up on the same level in terms of an assassin. These guys were three notches below the guy who, who came after him. Uh, the one who, the one who was the assassin assigned to, to um, Ac uh, assigned to Cusack, uh, Martin Blank, I guess I'd say in the, in the Minty Mart the one who went after him there, I think he was above those, those two. Cause those two were like buffoons. But again, I, I, I didn't have a problem oh, yeah. with them. And I thought it was funny when they both turned their guns on him. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was, it was almost instinctual. Right? I mean, I mean, to be fair, you know, these two guys are having a firefight and then two guys just burst in the room and start shooting. You would turn your gun on them too. You would like it. it so right. they, they kind of deserve to get what they got. It, it, it just made me laugh. Um, all right, wasn't that what? But that you were talking about that that fight. It it almost reminded me of one of those Bugs Bunny things or one of those comedy things where they're around one end, like one shooting on one side of the of the of the like a um, um uh, I don't know a counter or a wall, like one shooting down the one side and the other shooting down the other side. And I thought they were just sitting there and just shooting the guns and like you guys are right next to each other. What what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> That was that was funny about it. that was very comedy related. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yes, the 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 gunplay in the movie was like not John Wick stuff. You know, like it. I think that the gunplay was good enough to satisfy the action requirement of the film and silly enough <sighs> to 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 satisfy the comedy. Because you're right, they are literally. If one of them just shoots through the drywall that they're leaning against, you're going to kill the other. But they just keep right. leaning over, and they're just emptying their magazines into this poor man's house. Well, I shouldn't say poor. He's obviously very rich. But, I mean, there are bullets 
everywhere in this house. I mean, each gun that normally only holds between 11 and you know 15 rounds was holding about 38 rounds in each gun. They got to just fired everywhere, and it was just it cracked me up. Because I, I, I admit. When the gunfight start like first started, especially at the very beginning, like the very beginning of the movie, when he pulls out this bought from Walmart thirty out six bolt action rifle that you would use to hunt deer, I thought, okay, this movie's not taking guns very seriously. And and then when the bat like so he shoots that guy right on the bike, which was a great shot. And then then the bad guys there, or whoever they are, the, the, the henchmen, they run out into the street, and they all just start firing like crazy at this guy. And then Dan Aykroyd shows up and shoots. I thought, oh, this is how we're going to do gunplay in this movie. Got it. Like, I'm, I'm with you now. That's fine. Uh, yeah. I just, you've, you've laid out the rules. Gunplay is ridiculous. I, I, I love it. So, uh, okay. Uh, time for, oh, no, last two things. No, last thing. This is the last... The, last. the beginning of the movie, the very beginning of the movie, I didn't capture it in the intro, is she's they're doing this gun, this bullet order, right? That he wants right. 5,000 hollow points and whatever, right? And then it's brought up again a second time, and then the third time, Joan is like screaming, F you, and I don't effing care. Like, she's screaming at some purchasing agent for guns are us or ammo's are us, right? But we never Walmart. get a payoff, like right, yeah, like, I know. Like there was never a payoff I for that. About that too. For that gag, and I just kept thinking, we keep bringing up this gag, but why? And I, I honestly just think it was so that we can have her yell at somebody on the phone. I think but the other just part of it... simply had some packages at the end of the, the film. You know, just sitting on her desk. That yeah. that would have been enough. You know, I don't know. But remember, he he decides to torch the building and get out of business before that happened. So, so I think it, it, it there, and if you if and if you remember on her desk, there is a package of some type. It seems, and she's pouring gasoline or something on it. If you, if you think back on that scene, there is something there. So it could be those <laughs> rounds of ammunition. Well, I mean, we don't know what it is, but it was just that, it was funny. That would yeah. that would be even worse to torch the building with five thousand rounds of hollow points in those boxes. You know, what I'm saying like yeah. we've now created a bomb. Basically, besides that, though, it, again, as a guy who works in IT, I was laughing my head off when she's trying to destroy the computers. She's just hitting the metal frame of these massive 90s PCs with a sledge. Uh, that's that's not going to do it. That metal is meant to stop bullets. You know, like you're going to have to. I mean, lighting it on fire will definitely do it, but it just cracked me up. She's just banging on it. They just told uh, her that she's about- smoking a cigarette while she's dumping Poor his gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> that too that too that was another one but i going back to the um the bomb aspect of things you're talking about well how about listen the bomb that blew up the minty mart i mean my god i you'd think they dropped an atomic bomb the way it went off yeah. and it was like it was inside of a microwave now remember those microwaves even in, in any of those stores they're very small so that bomb could not have been that big and it just basically took the building down. So I'm like, yeah, I guess it was yeah, it's supposed I, to look like C4 or plastic or whatever. But I mean, this is the 90s. We we, we use the phrase trip. We use the phrase explodium. So okay. th- things in the 90s were made of explodium. When, when things explode and they don't need to, it's because it's made of. Ex- so the all of the 
all of the food packaging in there was made of explodium. So when that microwave went off like a normal bomb, that's why it went up like a nuclear explosion. Uh, yeah. My my favorite. I always think of the. Uh, I always think of the Catwoman in Batman Returns, where she's microwaving some spray paint. Yeah. And it blows up the entire store. Yeah. 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 My my favorite case of explodium is in Commando. When he walks by, he drops in two grenades, and it blows up an entire building, uh, the like the barracks or whatever. I mean, that thing went off mm-hmm. like it was storing napalm, right? Uh, which my friend, that when we watched it for the podcast, he said, well, maybe they had that in there. It's like, okay, you, you guys are going to have to bunk next to the napalm tonight. Uh. <laughs> All right, I got some clips. Are you guys ready to laugh some more? Because I sure as heck Let's am. Let's do it. Um, here we go. Time for this. And you would be the president of this organization, or maybe just a father figure to me. Hey, if you want a father, I'll give you a spanking. Yeah, forget about it. So, when I captured it, when I when I wrote down the time code for that, I just thought it was a funny line. But then as I went back and listened to it, is that a Catholic joke? It didn't come through in our headphones. I oh. don't think we, we knew. Oh, yeah. bummer. Oh, <laughs> So you guys, it, it looking... was like we got we got the first two words and then it was. Oh, that's yeah. The president, you the president of. Yeah, the president. Oh, this is going to be annoying. This is the line where he says, "Are you going to be the president?" And he says, "Or are you just going to be a father figure to me?" And he goes, "If you want a father figure, I'll give you a spanking." And it and so I don't know if that's like a like a daddy spanking joke or if that's a Catholic joke thing. I'm not sure. Either way, uh, it's I don't know. I don't either. Well, that's a, again, Ackroyd said it. It's comic gold. Yeah, it was still yeah. funny. It was still really funny. And these clips are going to be not very funny to you if you can't hear them. Uh, <laughs> but the listeners will enjoy them. So here is uh, this, this setup is for when he's in his therapist's office talking about stabbing a guy with a fork. I mean, they'll all have husbands and wives and children and houses and dogs. And, you know, they'll have made themselves a part of something and they can talk about what they do. And what am I going to say? Killed the president of Paraguay with a fork. How have you been? Yeah. You, you guys get any of that? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the president of Paraguay with a fork. And 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 again, you know, Alan Arkin was only in a couple of scenes, but he was hysterical in this whole thing. Yeah. And I, I again I think part of it is Kuzak's delivery is so good is so good and so matter of fact speak i think that's what makes him so good in say anything as lloyd dobler because it, it, just the way he speaks is just so funny and and I, I i think that that that's part of his charm as an actor speaking of some alan arkin here's a little bit more of him have some punch visit with what's her name debbie debbie don't kill anybody for a few days see what it feels like i'll give it a shot no no don't give it a shot don't shoot anything i love it i love it all right um this line this this i don't know if this was supposed to be creepy but it came across as super creepy i've always felt very temporary about myself and looking at the two of you in this house when my time comes if ever does i want a house like this i want a wife like you yeah, wife like you. That 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 whole bit just cracked me. I mean, 
And it just made her so uncomfortable. I love that it just made her so uncomfortable. Uh, here's a funny line. Debbie's house. Yeah. Kind of crept up on you, didn't it? No, you drove us here. I, I love it. Just, no, you drove us here. It's just so matter of fact, right? Like, <laughs> Piven is trying to be uh, maybe clever or something. Like, oh, it just snuck up on your past, whatever. Like, he's not trying to say that the house physically snuck up on you. Like, like your past is sneaking up on you. And he's just play, plays it just straight. No, you drove me here. It didn't sneak up on me. I just, like, I, 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 it kills Piven's uh, point there. It just cracked me up. All right. Uh, this is Andrew and I ordering breakfast last week at the um, at the Waffle House. Two poached eggs, scrape off the milky white stuff. Hash browns, well done. English muffin, put a bread and a coffee. Whole grain pancakes and an egg white omelet, please. What would you like in your omelet? Nothing in the omelet, nothing at all. Well, that's not technically an omelet. Well, I don't want to get into a semantic argument over it. I just want the protein, all right? <laughs> yeah, that would make me crack up. Yeah, that was great. That was great. That and was great. I also like that he never looks at her. He's staring mm-hmm. at Grocer the whole time. He's staring yeah. at him. Well, he, he didn't want to take his eyes off of him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's great. Um, you mentioned Trip. You mentioned the kid before. Here's the kid. No, I'm not all right. I'm hurt. I'm pissed. Got to find a new job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hurt and pissed and got to find a new job. He's got his priorities down. I love it. It's I'm fantastic. sorry. That 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 was and that whole scene was so funny. It just was because like I said, if you know what those I I'm I'm trying to play, you know, a it was a house there, okay? And now there's a Minty Mart there. All right. So so a convenience store though. What kind of property is it? It can't be that big, you know. And again, they're having this fight. And you know what those small convenience stores are? You know, he's at one end of it. The other guy's at the other end. They're blasting away. And this guy's playing video games over in the corner. It wasn't that big of a place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. So the, the AV guy in me did kind of get annoyed at that scene. And also as a dude has, who has shot weapons. You know, shooting a gun is loud. There's a reason why you have these very, you know, all this ear protection. Uh, he he would know if a gun would off. But it, it, the gag was funny, and I don't care. But for, there was a half a second where I was kind of annoyed. But I got over it yeah. real quickly once I realized, oh, yeah, again, this is this kind of movie. It's just fine. Like, it doesn't matter. Uh this is uh this is a strange recording I have. Uh, so this is actually um, this is actually Sam. When I told him that he got to have the night off and, and go to Salt Lake City, this was Sam's reaction. All right. Yeah, okay. Jeez, Sam. <laughs> really excited about not being here. <laughs> now, this is absolutely my favorite. 11 seconds of this entire film. This had me rolling. I love when you edit, when the, when movies do this kind of thing. And I'll give you an example. Before, I'll play it, and then I'll give you another example. Okay? So, uh, here we go. I was hired to kill you, but I'm not going to do it. Because I'm in love with your daughter, I have a newfound respect for life. That punk is either in love with that guy's daughter, or he has a newfound respect for life. 
I love that. I love that bit. My my favorite example of this has always been in the fifth element when we're getting two sides of the conversation and they're filling in all of the information we need, but on from both sides and neither side has all of the info, but we as the audience get it. But it's it's, it's right. the same time. So it's the same it's kind of the same thing. It's not exactly the same thing, but it's kind of the same thing where they're both thinking the same thing at the exact same moment. I think that's great. I love that bit. Mm-hmm. I really love it. All right. Uh, time for this. And now for some more bad news. Ready? This is the part of the show where I actually say, before I play that clip, I say this is uh, our game, and it is sponsored by... It's time to feel the rage. Join us on Film Rage, where we talk movies, current releases, coming attractions, streaming, and classic films as well. Directors and actors, beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce, and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hey, hey. And Murray. Yo. Why is it you always talk? All the time. I can't understand why you voice. voice. This is the Merman, the voice of reason. These two can't agree on anything most of the time. Some movies are mondo. Some are just suck. Every week, something is going to make us rage. Join us every Wednesday and feel the rage. Okay, so this is the uh, game that we play now here at Cheap Seat Reviews. This game is, we call it, hey, did you notice that? No, that's not what it's called. It's called, right? Did the did, did you, you notice? The did you notice game. <laughs> I have it written down. I just wasn't looking at it. Jeez. Uh, this is a show game. Notes. Yeah, show notes. Uh, wow, old hashtag there, show notes. It's a callback. Yeah. yeah. This is a game where basically we challenge our guest to a, uh, did you notice this thing in the movie? Andrew's got some questions. He's going to go back and forth. Uh, uh, Trip, you get to go first. If you get the answer right, you get a point. If you get the answer wrong, I have a chance to steal the point. Andrew, take it away. All right, Trip. This one's going to be easy for you. What are the call letters of 79.5 FM where Debbie works? Oh, sorry. I just got radio free gross point. That's all I, I, I took out of it. I didn't take the call letters. All right. Sean, do you have an idea? No, no. Uh, WKRP. <laughs> WGPM gross, gross point. point. Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. Okay. That makes oh, sense. Yeah. But yeah. Take there we go. Oh, God. I, I, I'm going to hang myself right now because <laughs> I should have gotten that one. <laughs> All right, Sean, this one goes to you. Um, as Martin gets out of his car at the Ultimart, something falls out and hits the ground. What is it? Something falls out and hits the ground. Is it a gun? Something falls out of his car. Is it it a... is not a gun. Okay. This is, this is by the way, the first time we see him at the, at the Quickie Mart. Okay. All right, Tripp, do you have an idea? Um. I want to say it's the scope that he was using to look at uh, Debbie. It is not. It was a cigarette. Okay. Fell oh. out uh, some somewhere out of the car or out of his hand or out of his pocket and, and hit the ground. Weird. Yeah. Was that like in yeah. the trivia or did you actually notice that? No, I noticed it, yeah. That's weird. I didn't see it in the trivia. Of course, I didn't read much of the trivia. Um, all right, Trip. we go back to you. In the convenience store gunfight, a cardboard cutout with four other celebrities can be seen from what Oscar winning movie? Pulp fiction? It was Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I was gonna say because because I, I, I saw that, I noticed it, 
And, and, and of course, then at one point somebody's head got shot off yeah. and I want to say it was, I want to say it was Samuel L, yeah. but I could be wrong. On I that think one. you're yeah. right. I remember seeing that too, thinking, wait a minute, did Sam Jackson just get his head blown off? Which is like, I would be ironic, right? Because in the movie, <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. All right. So there's one point for trip. Sean, we go back to you. Yep. Uh, name one. Of the daily specials, the waitress tells Martin and Grocer about oh, in the breakfast diner. I just listened to this. It was the cheese something. Oh my gosh! It was the. Uh. I, she names three. All yeah, you gotta do is name one. I know it was. There was a cheese one. It was like it was. They were all bad puns. It was like the Wisconsin cheese omelet or something. But it was a. They were all like really bad puns. The, I. Oh my gosh! I pulled. I mean, this clip here. Two poached eggs, scrape off them. Is ten seconds yeah. after she says that. It oh is. My God. It is ten seconds after. I don't know the west. The omelet. The western omelet. <laughs> All right, Trip. Do you have an idea? <laughs> no clue. No clue. Uh, I, I I'm doing so badly at this game. Oh, we all do. It's fine. Andrew's insane. She says our specials are the alfalfa on my mind omelet. Gatsby's West Egg Omelet, and if you're feeling a little special, I left my heart in San Francesi. San, San, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, that, uh, but what was the, okay, I have a dumb question. What was the name of the, because I think the restaurant was a like the library or something. I thought that was what it was called. Yeah, it was a weird name. I, I didn't catch it. Yeah, I thought, it was the, I thought it was the library or something like that, because I think that that, that plays into that uh, uh, that part of it, I think, but now I got to go back and watch the movie. <laughs> Here's the last question, and this goes to who? Whose turn was it it's, now? I think it's uh, the the omelet one was mine, so it's Trip. Okay, so Trip, this one goes to you first. This one, I admit, might be the most challenging one. Points High School ten year reunion class of 1986 invitation is on the nightstand in Martin's hotel room when Debbie tries calling him on the phone. The phone is shown next to the invite. On the phone, Martin's room number is shown. What is his room number? Oh, my Lord. Uh, 211? It is not 211. Sean? I don't know why 187 is in my head, but I know that's not right. It is 105. 105. His room number is 105. Dang. So, Trip, you are our winner by Yay, one. Hey, Trip. In today's game. Good job, man. Hey, I hey, you knew Pulp Fiction. I, listen, I, now, hey, listen. Now I got to go back. I've got to go back and watch this movie and catch all the things that Andrew brought out because I'm like, I, I'm one of these guys. Listen, I'm one of these guys who goes to the theater and will catch all these little things that happen. You know, I'll catch the little, and I'll be the one laughing his head off, and I'll be the only one in the theater laughing because I'll get the joke, and yet. I missed a couple of things that I should have gotten. So I, I feel shame right oh, now. Oh, you I, don't I, need Again, I. <laughs> and Andrew, again, Andrew is, uh, he's a uh, sadist or something. He, he likes to punish <laughs> us. Uh, all right. Time for, uh, time for this. What? No, not that. Time for this. Excuse me while I whip this out. This is our top three segment where we give our top three. Our category tonight was simply John Cusack Films. He's had a 
an interesting career. It was one of those careers that it, it felt like it was going strong and then just stopped. And he's just done a bunch of shit. And then he's kind of done some stuff since then. So, uh, uh, Trip has got his list in his hand. Trip, I'll let you go first. All right. First off, uh, this is one of the great movies that he has done. But I left it off the list because I want to kind of hit some other ones of his. Um, and I, I want to kind of toss Hot Tub Time Machine because, again, it's along the lines of this movie. So I'm going to go with Love and Mercy because I thought he did such a great job. And, of course, I hold my script in front of the camera so you can see, you know, my my notes. Um, the Sure Thing, which he was so good in that movie. And, of course, uh, that was the one where he's a college student and going to the West Coast, going for the Sure Thing. And Anthony Edwards is in that movie, too, also. And that was really good. Rob Reiner. Uh, by the way, directed that, and and that was a Rob Reiner movie. And last but not least, um, I love this movie, Serendipity with Kate Beckinsale. Uh, it's I, I, again, it is such a good movie, and he does such a great job with it. And it's just uh, again, I I could spend probably twenty minutes talking about this movie. One of the reasons also I like it is because I'm a guy who worked a lot in New York city. And I know all those, those sites that they shot it at. I know all the places and it's just, it's, it's such a great movie. Those are my top three. Okay. I have a fun little side story that I'll tell in a moment about, um, serendipity. Uh, and we'll do that just a moment, but, uh, actually I guess it is my turn because normally there's Sam here, but Sam's not here. So it is my turn. I will say my number three is Anastasia. I also need to say this. I did not realize how few of his films I had seen. Uh, so, okay. Uh, Anastasia, the cartoon animated uh, thing. I don't know if that was DreamWorks or not. But Anastasia, good film. Uh, and he's in it, and he's good. My number two is, believe it or not, 2012. Uh, not a great film. He's pretty good in it. Uh, but I, again, I haven't seen enough of his film. I have not seen High Fidelity enough to say that I've seen it. You know, like I've seen parts, but not enough to say that I've really seen it. So yeah, I I, I am lacking in some of my uh, those types of uh, films. I've also not seen um, Say Anything either. I just I don't know why I missed him. I just did. It's like the, the classic. I know it is like I I know the boombox and the you know, the bit there, but I just have I also I really want to see fourteen oh eight. I like that that looks really interesting. So, yeah. not the point. The point is is that twenty twelve is my number two, and Con Air is my number one. I love yeah. Con Air, and I think he's really funny in it. And uh, there you go, Con Air, Andrew. Well, it's already been mentioned, but I'm gonna go ahead and mention it again. Hot Tub Time Machine is my number three. I think that's a hilarious movie. Um, and, and well done. Um, I have must love dogs coming in at number two. Um, and I think that was one that I was forced to watch on a date or something. And then, uh, I have a movie that I found kind of by happenstance. I was working at Walmart when I was in college and I saw this movie with, uh, Morgan Freeman and John Cusack in a, like a $5 bin. And it was uh, called The Contract. And it's actually a pretty good pretty good little film. Cool. 
So if you get a chance, check that one out. Right on. All right. Um, Twitter uh, was pretty active on this one. This is great. Cameron from Green Shirt Podcast says, being John Malkovich, High Fidelity, and Journey of Natty Gan, and his wife's three, his wife shared his three, uh, her three, High Fidelity, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, and Frozen Ground. Uh, Jason, our buddy Jason from the Esoterica, Esoterica Cinema, Jason, make your podcast easier to say, uh, is High Fidelity, The Thin Red Line, <laughs> and Hot Tub Time Machine. Uh, thank you, Jason, for that. Um, Jesse from Sudden But Inevitable, and he's also his other new podcast, Open Pike, Open Pike Night. Con Air, this is what he wrote, seriously. Number one, Con Air. Number two, C number one. Number three, you guessed it, Con Air. That's literally all he wrote. Uh, he has seen only Con Air of, of the John Cusack film. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. It's a fandom pod thing, says 1401. Oh, sorry, 1408, The Grifters, and Say Anything. Two idiots and a dog also say, quote, I am going to say something shocking going through IMDb, and I believe I have only seen one John Cusack film. Uh, Rosie, our good friend and listener, Rosie says she had to pick four. So she wrote, uh, let's see, The the Sure Thing, uh, Better Off Dead, One Crazy Summer, and The Journey of Natty Gan. Those are her four. So Rosie gets to break the rules. Because she's Rosie. Uh, your next favorite movie, uh, 1408, Eight Men Out, Better Off Dead. Flicks X-Raid Podcast, High Fidelity being John Malkovich, Gross Point Blank. And Made Up Movies Podcast, just simply said, love that movie. So thank you for participating. Uh, that's it. Thank you all for that. Again, anytime you participate on Twitter, I will give you a shout out. So thank you all for that. Go check out those all awesome podcasts. Especially Jason's, whose podcast apparently I can't say. Uh, but Jason's awesome. <laughs> Jason was our teammate, of course, uh, on yeah. uh, trip to my teammate. Oh, yeah. If Jay, and, and you know something? Uh, people brought up, uh, and, and we haven't talked about it yet, but his first role was in uh, Breakfast Club. Remember, he was he was one of the, 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 um, the brothers. And they were wearing the headphones and stuff. And he was hysterical in that uh, with Anthony Michael Hall and, and uh, wow. uh, Molly Ringwald. I mean, he was he was so good in that movie, too. Um, th that's the thing about he is, you know, it's funny because he's originally from the Midwest. He's got that that. And I, I again, I, uh, you know, um, and of course, his name escapes me now. John Hughes. John Hughes kind of discovered him. And. You know, he's got that sensibility and it just, it plays so well. And I also want to throw a shameless plug in, uh, the, uh, in the garden of, uh, movie that John Cusack started, they shot it where I am in Savannah and I've, I've gone to some of the, the sets and I've seen that there. So I'm very, very acquainted with that movie. Right on. Time for this last segment here. Wait, what's supposed to happen? This is where we give the movie a score from zero to 10. Uh, Trip, you get to go first. 
You know, this movie, I, I really enjoyed it. And again, watching it again, I really rediscovered a love for it. It's not one of those movies I'd go out and buy. It's not on that level. But I will say I'll give it a 7 out of 10 because, again, I think the characters work together. I think it it, it works. And, again, the relatability factor, except for the other two people on this show right now, we all went to 10th reunions <laughs> and all live through that uh andrew well imdb i think puts this at a 7.3 or something like that i've kind of gone away from the page now but yeah 7.3 i think that that's fair but i'm gonna go a little higher um i'm gonna go about a 7.5 out of 10 on this all right i like it uh that's a good good number I too really had a good time. Uh, I'm not going to ask Sam because he's, <laughs> uh, he, well, he's probably asleep, but uh, I don't know if he uh, watched it for the show tonight. I'm going to give this movie an eight. I had a blast with this. I just was rolling and I uh, had such a good time. In fact, I can't give it an eight because that math doesn't work. So I'm going to give it an 8.1. That's better. There we go. I like a good number with a 7.53 repeating. That's, that's much better. Uh, so yeah, gross point blank coming in at seven point five three repeating. That's very strong. Good, good, uh, good thing there. Trip, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on. Do you want to let people know where they can find your stuff? Uh, Trip's take is available on all the popular podcast uh, hosting services: uh, Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, and uh, iHeart. Uh, also. Uh, my internet radio station, WTRSradio.com, is on live365.com. Uh, that's streaming 24-7. That's my baby. That's what I really work hard at. And I have a podcast during the football season with my buddy Mike Check. It's called The Fantasy Sultans. It is available again on those same podcast hosts. That sounds awesome. And I, uh, uh, yeah, that sounds great. I love a good, uh, good uh, football conversation in fact i had a very fun football conversation today uh i'm still kind of annoyed at sports illustrated and espn for saying that the carolina panthers are going to be the worst team in the league next year i think that's horse poop i i say but you know that's fine no one cares what i think sean remember i've been a new york giants fan all my life and these last five years have been a slow death for me sure the only good thing is I live in Savannah, so I don't get to see all the games. The games I see, I just drink heavily. Sure, that's fair. That's very fair. Uh, yeah, <laughs> You're, I, I, I understand that. Uh, you know, Panthers fan, it's not been the worst, but I get you. That's it. That's our show. Thank you all so much for listening. We have been Cheap Seat Reviews. Go to our website, cheapseatreviews.libsyn.com. You can find links to all of our social media accounts, such as our Twitter account, at Cheap Seat Cast. There you can interact with me, because that's pretty much where I live now. Facebook.com slash Cheap Seat Reviews. And, of course, you can send an email to cheapseatreviews at gmail.com. Next week, what are we doing? Oh, boy, what, I will tell you what we're doing. We are going to do Beer Fest. We're doing Beer Fest. Yeah, the beer fest. We are doing beer fest. We are doing it with the Happy Hour podcast. I lost the accent halfway through that. 
Yeah, I the, noticed. Uh, it's cool. I was I was surprised <laughs> it lasted as long as it did. Honestly, I wasn't saying. Well, I I was hoping it would turn into three little pigs. Yeah, pigs but, in a blanket, uh, but it didn't work. It... <laughs> yeah, the Happy Hour Podcast is joining us next week for Beer Fest. I'm very excited. Also, again, a film I've never seen. In fact, uh, the next four uh, three movies we're gonna do before. Our big 400th episode are films I've never seen, so this is this is a journey of exploration for your host Sean. And Beautiful as your host, mind. I am here to say thank you so much for listening. And on behalf of Trip and Andrew, this is Sean saying thank you again for listening. And we'll see you next week for Beer Fest. This is Cheap Seat Reviews.